0: The following speaker share for Jared J was recorded on November 3rd, 2022. Uh, hey everybody, my name is Jared and I'm an adult child worthy of my own unconditional love. Um, grateful to be here. Uh, thanks to Renee for inviting me and thanks to TD for being a tech host and just really grateful to be able to share my story. Um, this isn't the first time I've been to this meeting. I've actually checked it out a couple of times and um, I'm just really grateful um, to be a part of this fellowship Um, I've been in the fellowship for what feels like forever, but it's only been about three years, uh, two to three years. And it's been a very transformative um, part of my life. And what I'd love to do today is be able to walk you through what it was like um, and a little bit about me before I go ahead and begin. I'm I'm a very visual person, uh, first and foremost. And with that, I think one of the things that the disease did to me um, just kind of having the the dysfunction passed down was that it killed my imagination and killing my imagination effectively killed a lot of my courage because I had a very creative brain. Um, My mom was a calligrapher. My dad was a oral surgeon. And so we had this kind of combination of like business and entrepreneurship and you know, a fluency. And then my mom was this beautiful like artist and calligrapher. And a lot of my time as a kid was spent uh you know auditing and looking at you know beautiful handwritten cards. And my mom still sends me cards every uh you know every holiday. So I get these cards that when you open them up they're embossed and they have like the little wax on the back and they're on heavy cardstock. And when you open them up they have like all of these little like Things that explode effectively all over the floor and you have to pick them up and it's the joy you know that i received today and then knowing that i'm reconciled with my family through amends and through the steps and tools of this program is what really has been the transformative process um i still identify that i'm in the process of recovery um today though however because i'm still grieving the lost time um all of the impacts that my life has on me today And I just am struggling with the complexities of life Um, in order to qualify. I've been, man, I've been a part of multiple fellowships. um, And I'm a very visual person as I articulate it. So for those that are actually on here, um, I am going to go ahead and kind of show some visuals. So you won't necessarily see my face as much, but hopefully I'll be able to buzzsaw through these visuals so that I can articulate my story. Um, I also will put my number in chat for those that may want to see some of the slides. If there is anything that piques your interest, um, I'm happy to to offer that in fellowship together. Um, since this is such a wealthy opportunity uh, with the 40 minute share, so uh, why don't I go ahead and uh, share my screen? And thanks again for the tech uh, team for helping me out here. All right. So the topic of tonight that I wanted to talk about was cultivating courage. Um, How do we do that? And how do I do that in my life? And how do I recover with gentleness, humor, love, and respect? Um, And I wanna share my experience, strength and hope. And, you know, with that, like, just for some trigger warnings, you know, I, I am somebody who likes to use vulgarities and profanity to hyperbolically articulate how painful things were in a very succinct way. And then secondly, I do struggle with suicidal ideation. Um, However, it's not going to be with specifics tonight, but I do want to just put that in this trigger warnings. Um, So like, what's my reality today? So like, what's it look like from a challenges standpoint? I call it the Bermuda Triangle. And so from my understanding of the ACA literature, there's a soul rupture. And so outside literature would say that that's potentially an insecure attachment style to myself. Um, I have addiction. So the second a is addiction and addiction, for me started with substance. So I'm a compulsive overeater, um, that still suffers. Um, And what brought me to the rooms was in that program, I was recovering through talking about my family a lot. And a fellow traveler brought me into this room and yeah and then the third is i recently was diagnosed with uh, neurodiversity uh, specifically adhd and i call this the bermuda triangle and because for me i can live in this triangle and i can get lost in this triangle and i've been lost in this triangle trying to find my way out uh, this
1: triangle removes all of my identity uh this triangle
0: uses me in emotionally intoxicating ways in order to get things done. I'm an MBA and a CPA, um, with ADHD attention issues. Uh, there's not enough cups of coffee in the world and not enough stimulants to get me, uh, you know, to get things through. But the thing that I've actually found the most is using fear, guilt, and shame in order to drive my productivity. Um, And so I wanted to introduce you to my inner critic over here, um, over my right shoulder. His name's Wayne. And for those on the audio podcast, uh, there's a game out there called Animal Crossing for the Nintendo Switch. And there's this uh, guy who plays music, his name's KK, and he kind of has this like frowny face on him. And effectively, that inner critic is who I embodied Um, through the criticism of that shame and blame and effectively holding my inner children over kind of a pit and using that that threatening nature in order to get stuff
1: done and to get out of this triangle. In addition to that, um, I've taken
0: a lot of outside therapy and I have a therapy team. And some of the things we've succinctly uh, come to conclusions on is that I am, uh, in a lot of my, you know, step work, things that'll be common traits is that I show narcissistic tendencies, uh, codependent, tendencies and negativistic tendencies and these are what are deemed maladaptive traits and what from my understanding of what a maladaptive traits are is it's something that gets in the way of really who you want to be and so one of the things that the testing outside of testing has also done um, is it's shown me that I'm a very high empath and so how can somebody be a high empath and yet a narcissist and so from my understanding is these are traits that I've picked up that were survival traits in order to get through, uh, as well as these were traits that were embodied in my inner critic Wayne over here on the right, um, that tormented my you know, my inner children, as well as my inner loving parent, um, which is now a good time to introduce. So I've introduced you to my inner critic Wayne, who's separated from uh, three stuffed animals in a blue bag. Um, this is my inner child, Chris, Um, Chris is named after my middle name, which is Chris, as well as my eldest biological son, uh, whose middle name is Chris. Um, My inner teen is this blue uh, stuffed animal um, that is a a blue Eevee character from Pokemon. And uh, this blue character effectively represents my spiritual color. Um, So my spiritual, uh, my higher power is what I call the unknown, which is a blue color. And so the inner uh, team, even though he's the rebel, has love and has this electric blue color that can summon a trust of the higher power taking care of him through all these years, um, even though he couldn't take care of himself. And then my inner loving parent, which is who I'm trying to awaken, is Grace. And so Emerson is my blue a uh, Pokemon inner teen that's named after my middle son, uh, his biological middle name, and then Grace is my uh, youngest daughter, uh, and that's her middle name. And so those are my children, and I'm really interested introduce you to them uh, today. And even, uh, sorry, Wayne over here uh, needs to be
2: a part of the conversation because he helped keep us alive um, throughout these years. So these Bermuda Triangle pieces have needs. I need safety and
0: security. Um, My ADHD, I have sensory needs and sensitivity. So when I go out and hear a thunderstorm, I would repress crying or if I heard fireworks, I would repress crying. I live near a highway and so when I hear this new gas that they have that has like air pockets in it that sound like gunshots when they accelerate uh, scares me. And then I've really succinctly said addiction is really results thinking um, outcome focus for me. So if I have an expectation that when my boss texts me something before I even look at it, that she's going to fire me, I might as well make up the exact opposite, because who do I think that I am being God? Um, You know, I don't really know anything. I'm always thinking about the
2: outcomes before actually seeing what's real so like here's a little bit about my story um i'm from
0: akron ohio i went to college in columbus ohio came out to seattle in 2006 i studied accounting i worked for a large church out here in the pacific northwest uh, if you search big church podcast you'll know what church i attended um, got married three kids um, in that um, i got uh, i married into significant debt and so i easily could be a part of a bunch of different programs from a scarcity mindset Um, I identify as a codependent in that relationship. Um, and then I got depressed and anxious. Um, I actually, um, was started the marriage right around 215 pounds and got all the way up to over 300 uh, pounds. And that's really what brought me to the rooms. Um, In the rooms, I've come out to myself as a bisexual, homo romantic, which effectively means that I'm bisexual. Um, Another term out there would be demisexual. Um, And I was divorced in 2018. And from then, I've effectively dated, dumped and dated and dumped. And now I'm actually in a phase of dating. Uh, It's been a year since I've
2: dated and I'm running a dating experiment. And my recovery is showing me a lot of things. So let's map out where I got these. My dad was the
0: king. He was the narcissistic, negativistic. My mom was the queen of codependence.
2: She did not have an identity from my subjective opinion. What that means is
0: she would lay herself down to a place where she never took care of herself. So it was never modeled to me how to stand up for myself as somebody who's a high empath. Um, she got a standing ovation at my older brother's wedding um, for all of the love that she would pour out and at the same time i never saw her make a decision that really honored herself and her own identity and i definitely was more of a mama's boy than a daddy's boy my older brother was uh the prince and so he was the inheritance to the king and so he was a clone of my dad, effectively. So he took on the negativistic traits.
2: Um, I was the peacemaker, the victim. And my younger brother was the jester, the funny man. So I believe that I was born of a spark
0: of love and that I have burning needs. Um, I was the Prince Harry. So that's referring to the British monarchy of. Um, Prince William, and then I was kind of the, the second in line. I was the Prince Harry. Um, teenage confusion in college. I did the best I could with what I had, and then adulthood. When I started work, it was the start of death. And then when I got into church, it was toxic masculinity that kind of kind of got me. Meaning, I'm a very effeminate, empathy-oriented person, and then I tried to be a man's man, UFC fighting man that effectively could lead a woman um you know in a marriage and effectively i married my my dad and one of the things that i don't like to necessarily say and it's hard even on record to say but i didn't really want to be a dad but i placated in order to not only make the marriage work but to to make another person in this world happy and so one of the things that I've learned is that I'm not attached, and from my understanding, that
2: is because I am not attached with myself. I'm pausing as I'm showing a slide. That I've been saying this a lot
0: in my shares in the last three to six months, which is I was born of a spark of love and I have the ACA Bill of Rights. And from that Bill of Rights, I have the capability of asking for needs. And so even if my parents didn't like each other because I never saw affection to a place that was convincing, I never heard them talk about emotions, I never saw them cry in front of each other, I never really heard them yell that even when I was consummated, I was born of a spark of love. And I can sit in that because I have this blue higher power above me, the unknown of it, and I can sit in that trust. And the cool thing about being born of a spark of love and knowing that I have rights and I just am so grateful to the ACA uh, Bill of Rights. I actually was told by a fellow traveler um, who I'm actually no longer uh in fellow traveling with breaks my heart um
2: she introduced me and asked a simple question like jared did you know you have rights in this world and i was like no i was in denial of them and that's the gateway
0: or keystone connection that i needed in order to know that it's okay for me to have needs
2: so i'm in in dire love with the ACA Bill of Rights. It's in many of my notebooks that I write in every day.
0: Um, I have an addiction lineage. Um, only met one of my grandparents. Uh, all of them passed from alcohol. Uh, my parents stopped the alcohol. Uh, my mom uh, um, did use tobacco and outside literature would articulate that you know that can correlate to ADHD, hypersensitivity, hypersensory. And then the one that really was absolutely devastating was food and food was devastating because effectively
2: I was able to maintain feelings and manage my feelings and be drunk at the age of four. So what did I need at that age? I needed to be held, I needed to be witnessed to, I needed to be seen, I needed to be pursued. And then that those needs transitioned into childhood. This is a picture of me as a child. I love
0: this Jared sitting in between his younger brother Jordan and I'm gonna probably need anonymity there, so please forgive me. And then my older brother is to my right.
1: And with regards
0: to that, um, I love them dearly today. And this was a very tough time because my older brother at the time just continued to suffocate me. He was dead number two. Um beautiful plump cheeks from all of the chocolate milk that I would eat and chicken tenders and fries. So what was it like I loved to eat? I competed with my two brothers for the cinnamon toast crunch. I was relieved when we go to Olive Garden because I could sit there and play my Game Boy and just dominate on endless uh, breadsticks.
1: Loved Friday night because my parents would leave me with pizza babysitter and a Nintendo. I had a problem
0: of abundance, not scarcity, actually country club image my parents were part of a
2: country club so I could go golf but it was all image food relief of the complexities of life. Food turned down my racing mind. Food turned down my racing mind. Food is a very powerful tool for me that no longer works for me. what I needed I needed to still be held I needed to be witnessed to I needed to be seen
0: I needed to be pursued and I needed to see my dad love my mom and so for those on the audio I'm actually going to pick up my inner child Chris which is a teddy bear that I built at an outside mm-hmm. therapy retreat in January of this year Chris has gone with me all around the country. He went skiing with me in Breckenridge in the back of my backpack. And I was introduced to him in this therapy intensive where I was asked to think about my first memory and uh, of my childhood. And my first memory was being in my living room and uh, watching the game show uh, Hot Potato, um, which I had no idea what what it was, but I was so mesmerized with the lights and the moving, a stage and things like that and just the game show ringing of the bells because I was high sensory and I observed that in my when I was thinking about Chris my uh my observation was that his skin of his body was beat red and it's because he just needed to be held and so in this you know therapy intensive they gave me a stuffed animal to hold and I thought about Chris and I just
2: that young Jared and held him. And i um, really grateful for, for that connection that I have with Chris because um, he had a, he has
0: a beautiful heart and it's pure and he loves others from that. And uh, it's great to be able to look him in the eyes and stand by him on a daily basis. And
2: In these rooms, I've picked up a prayer that I like to pray with him, and I'd love to do that in front of you, just to sing him the ABCs.
0: Z. And I
2: know my baby seems next time won't you sing with me. And so I needed
0: to have that connection with myself. And I don't feel like I was because I really didn't see my dad love my mom or to talk about feelings. And so that led to teenage confusion. So this was pretty much during the late nineties into two thousands. And so the people that are getting to see this beautiful photo of what looks like a Justin Timberlake reject, uh, with his frosted tips and popped collar golf shirt, because he was too cool to wear the basic,
2: um, you know, collared shirt and, uh, um, yeah, this Jared, was
0: definitely rebellious. This is definitely the the Pokemon blue Eevee being held and loved by a spiritual power, but also
2: getting to recognize that something was wrong. I'm putting on screen uh, what really caused a lot of my confusion and <sighs>
0: A lot of it was physical. So, like the school I went to had a national jump rope team, and I didn't make it based on one trick. Um, the presidential fitness really messed me up. Um, I couldn't do a sit up, couldn't do a pull up. I thought I was really good at basketball, but then faced the reality of getting lapped because I was fat. And then reading comprehension, uh, my older brother was in all like the AP courses my next door neighbors were all Ivy League and then the next door neighbors to them were all American athletes. And so it was very frustrating to know that like I had problems and I came to learn that I had dyslexia um, as well as ADHD.
1: And they were all undiagnosed even though I kept talking to my parents like that I was
0: very unable like I would sit there for hours just not able to actually accomplish anything. I also was the fat kid and in high school, I was everybody's best friend. So if you opened up the yearbook, um, fun fact, I actually went to the same high school that Jeffrey Dahmer went to, uh, for those Netflix fans out there. Um, so if you open my yearbook, it was everybody's best friend was my superlative. So effectively I was a codependent and actually validated by a third party for that. So I was groomed to be a golfer. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I also have on this slide that I really am working through my shame about and cultivating my own courage is I have a tights fetish. Um, I wear women's, you know, nylons and tights. And the reason why I raised that is because that was a hot box of
2: shame and blame and something that I needed to hide in order to.
0: avoid rocking the boat, avoiding the don't talk, don't trust, don't feel, knowing that it was different, knowing that men don't wear tights, knowing that women do, knowing that at the age of four, I had affinity towards soft fabrics, like nylon tuxedo socks that I would wear on my hands and
1: run around the home, and I had needs that were obviously not being met and I needed to meet
2: them that way. And so I raised it because I'm all in, in this program. And I then in high school became an exercise bulimic. I learned about exercising
0: and I learned about eating salads and things like that. So what did i need during my teenage years i needed to feel feelings all the way and i couldn't because i was in the food i was burning them off and i had a lot of repression of who i was i needed to be able to start holding myself like i held chris just now i needed to be encouraged by my dad um to be me to be witness to to be seen still to be pursued to see
2: my dad love my mom. College years. You're seeing a skinny
0: Jared on screen, exercise bulimic in the house of peace and justice. Um, I was the conservative in a house of a bunch of liberals who love to drink and get into the art of the debate. And I loved using my negativism and critic to collateralize and disrupt a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I loved using the other side of the laundry list. College, once I left home, the complexity continued. And so during this phase, I needed to hold myself to be me, to be witnessed and witnessed to, to be seen and to see, to pursue and to be pursued to talk about my feelings, to see my dad love my mom. Then I left to come to Seattle. Seattle's close to Hawaii, so the people that are here seeing a picture of me in Hawaii. Worked for a large accounting firm from 8 to 6 p.m., coming from a school situation where I could take breaks during the middle of the day, so my ADHD you know, was there. So once I lost that college energy, I started getting performance issues at work. I ended up resigning and going to a church that ultimately just became a geographic solution. Community was a big win for me because effectively I started building life out here in that church. So it was really great. Ultimately met my future wife at that time, um, which was great. But as you can see in this photo, look a little bit different. This is the night when I passed my CPA exam, a little bit chunkier, but still happy, still stoked about that, that Jared that I see there.
2: When I got married, I married into significant debt, over a quarter million dollars. All hidden. But I stayed, I stayed loyal, ride or die.
0: Codependency is all I knew from day one. I couldn't stand up to her. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't have that connection of my bill of rights. Kid one, 19, like you know, 12 to 19 months after getting married. Kid two, boom. Life got complex bonding problems, 295 pounds, ended up doing an MBA to offset the debt, but effectively I was avoiding my wife. I was avoiding reality. And then I got the bonus of eating a fourth and even a fifth meal, just like I did in my young years. So I put a mathematical equation at the bottom, which was complexity of life plus lack of outlets, plus food, plus faith, plus community was
2: really what drove me to the rooms. So I'm showing some photos of just my weight gain. I love these chairs just as much as the kid, as much as the teen. So technically what got me into the rooms was a
0: Stanford-educated therapist um, we tried everything. He was like, Have you ever heard of Overeaters Anonymous? Which I know this is an ACA meeting, um, but I like to get technical. And I was like, No, I laughed, and in my brain it went, which was my expectation. And what I'm showing on screen is the movie Fight Club, where Tyler Durden is this guy who effectively goes to a bunch of 12 step meetings and they you know project a bunch of like kumbaya moments and coffee and dark dingy locations, but ultimately what my experience
2: was from all those fear and projections was it was my story. I came home when I saw the clarity of people's eyes. When I saw that I can receive
0: love until I can love myself. I got so many things from these rooms. My life is unmanageable and powerless over food and dysfunction,
2: the inner pharmacy, the emotional intoxication. I feel safe, I don't feel alone. I hear my story mostly in every meeting.
0: It's the full hearts of this room. Like when I look at the, even just the five pack of images on my right,
2: like I feel connected with you guys. One other quick thing, I cannot wait to get back into the physical room, I need to be
0: hugged and have to be held and I really look forward to meeting those that I've built uh, relationships with on zoom. So just a side thing there. So landmines to staying emotionally absent. So pausing because I get exhausted and time stuff minding my own business also basics
2: just getting sleep.
1: Um, I'm getting a little
2: thing in my head, so please come off mute if you can't hear me. Burning off my feelings, foods, rumination and perfectionism, financing. So just really getting to watch those areas.
0: Without food, I felt feelings of feelings, embracing the sucks, sucks, when I must endure. There is an outside podcast from this lady, Sarah Blondin. She talks about like a deer hide stretched between two trees. The deer hide goes through a process of
2: crystallysis where that deer hide becomes strong. Where I struggle with this program is my understanding of the program comes through
0: thinking, the doing of the program through hearing, a program of actions where it's been hard and that's due to a bunch of different factors. So I have a really good discovery of the program, but my recovery is in process. Prayer and meditation. And the thing that I've learned in this room, too, that I think is a big take home for me is I'm envious as F of others who have what I want, which is people who have success with meditation there's an outside person named like Tara Brock and everybody's like, you should listen to her as your solution. And I'm like, dude, like I want what she has. So like, I'm just gonna get pissed at her because she has what I have. But actually it's just when I sat with those feelings, it's I'm frustrated because she has what I want. So I allowed the feeling to carry me there. And I, that's the blue bag. I let the blue bag carry me there.
2: And I'm mindful of the time, by the way, I can see that, so thank you for whoever put that up. And so now I do use meditation. Um,
0: I actually attend yoga um, as well, again outside. So once I once I got into the rooms and came off the food, the weight started coming off, but the feelings were there. I have three children who are growing up. And that really brings me to my experience, strength and hope within the context specifically. Um, for me, I like to take you know, take what is given to me and leave the rest. And so part of that is making the vernacular my own and simple and kind of like Laffy Taffy, like I have to play with things in order to get it like to see it from all the different angles. Um, And so what I have up on screen, I'm not going to read this, but it's the steps of my own words. And it's
2: just a simpler way to get through the steps. um, You know, for me. and the steps have really helped me so i am cultivating courage every day with experiments
0: and what i mean by experiments is what i'll call like a step zero so step zero is knowing that i'm born of love that i have the aca bill of rights and that i have needs and i have the ability and the right to those needs to be met So like, I imagine myself as like this golf ball, another image that I get when I think about this is like a dartboard. So like the red dot is me. And then the green dot around, or the green circle around that is my higher power. And then I get to run experiments outside of that bullseye dot. And with regards to that, there's space between
1: that first ring or that first center and the second ring. And that gap
0: um, is what I call a boundary. And I am worthy that bullseye is worthy of unconditional love, regardless of any result of any
2: thought, belief, action, feeling, emotion that I have. It just is. I am worthy of my own unconditional love because there's no conditions. If a feeling is what's going to guide me to unconditional love, that's a condition. And so when I get to a place of worthiness, I can start progressing towards fullness. And so for me, where I kept stubbing my
0: toes, that I needed a step zero. And again, this is my words. This is my own individual
2: opinion. I did not represent ACA as a whole. But for me, I needed to know that I was worthy because then that illuminated the fact that my
0: life is unmanageable and powerless. And then I came to believe that I can trust a power outside of myself.
2: So if I'm worthy and I have trust, what does that make me? It makes me whole. And that's important because of the Bermuda Triangle that I talked about. The key one is insecure attachment that allows me to become secure. Because I could trust no power outside of myself. And so I kicked one of the legs out of the Bermuda Triangle, becoming whole. So steps one through three are key. So this is me with a couple of photos with uh, my inner children.
0: This is me in first class, or not first class, um, on an airplane. Um, Chris doesn't get put into. Um, I'm showing photos, by the way, for people on audio of Chris in the back of an airplane seat with me wearing tights under my shorts and, uh, living my best life. Um, this is me in Breckenridge with Chris in the backside of my backpack, um, saying hi to people. One of the best memories was getting to sit on the ski lift and somebody asked me about, you know, Chris and it provided me the opportunity to, you know, share the experiment that i was running of carrying chris around like he was a legit child where i change his clothes and i make sure that he's wearing winter clothes during the winter and i make sure he's wearing summer clothes in the summer and during the summer he's wearing a seattle
2: mariners t-shirt because the seattle mariners are doing well and so what are the results of managing and loving my own inner parent becoming my loving parent Fuck! I have a photo up of my dad and me at the most prestigious golf tournament in the world. And I'm happy. (laughs) That's my story of Recovery. (laughs) That the density of a single photo can be worth more than all the possessions that I have. That I had the moment before he passed, which he hasn't, he's still alive. (laughs) To dialectically know that
0: i can unconditionally love him and still get angry at him for the things that he did and didn't give me that i can hold both to be true and that i have a higher power that allowed me to survive and i have wayne over here who got me through it and i can integrate these motherfucking traits and i can fucking ask for the defaults of character and things like that to restore me to sanity and clarity And I can awaken the inner loving parent, grace the owl to get fired up and turn into a phoenix that can hand the shame back to my dad and still sit there with my arm around my dad at the most prestigious golf tournament in the world where his energy is just like, he is the most proud dad of all time. For him, we can be so different and yet still come together. And that to me is true peacemaking as opposed to other side codependency and this is the other one that breaks my heart and yet is so happy i have a photo of my brother at the same tournament the clone and this is the first time
2: in my life that i have a photo or a memory of both my brother and i happy and that last photo of my dad is an important one (laughs) but this is the most important photo i have because of all my traumas, a lot of them came from him. He's a partner in an investment management firm. He gets all the accolades from my dad. He's managing the inheritance, all the shit, all of the kingly shit. But if you notice, I didn't call him a narcissist, (laughs) because I see his position, and he had no chance of the dysfunction. And I've seen the dysfunction wreck his life. And yet, Seeing him manage
0: through it outside of the rooms is still so encouraging to me. Seeing him happy, seeing him be a coach of his son's baseball team, seeing him be a happy dad, seeing him
1: happy with me, (laughs) and getting to celebrate. This
2: photo was one of the greatest gifts this year in April. Because I just never thought I would get these opportunities. I have a couple of sayings that I want to end with. God for me is the gift of desperation. For me, cultivating courage was seeing choices run out. Cultivating courage was recognizing denial that I didn't even
0: notice I am lying, the acronym. Didn't even notice I'm, I am lying.
2: And fear, there's a billion of these out on Google, you can Google them. False evidence appearing real. And the
0: last one is another Sarah in outside literature. Fear in one hand, love in the other. In order to navigate, I have learned that I need to stand in my own security and hold fear in one hand and love in the other. And with each step and each breath, I get to inhale the unknown and breathe out peace and take a step in
2: love, because I have that choice to trust love. And cultivating courage is choosing love from the center of the dartboard and running experiments for me. And knowing that no matter how these experiments end
0: and the feelings that I feel, that my worthiness is untouchable. My step zero is untouchable. And I just want to thank you for listening. And just for audio purposes, I am going to, I am wearing tights and I brought everything and everything that I am, which is I'm Jared, an adult child worthy of my own unconditional love and worthy of unconditional love and i'm still recovering and i have needs and i'm
2: really looking forward to witnessing to how you guys cultivate courage not just today but for all the days of our lives thanks